Hi, I'm Will Baker. Two weeks ago, I launched our new podcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving the Chesapeake Bay. I promised a new installment every other Tuesday. Thousands of you listened to the first one, and many commented. Today, I want to discuss agriculture in the region. Farming represents a critical part of the economic and cultural fabric of the Chesapeake Bay. More land is in agriculture than anything else except forestry. There are 87,000 farms in Bay Country, and they contribute 13% of the region's gross domestic product and $10 billion worth of food and fiber annually. Bottom line, farmers do feed us, and they do contribute to our society in countless ways. But we've got concerns. Consider simply the size and scope of all Bay agriculture, and it's little surprise that farming is the largest source of pollution to the Bay and its rivers and streams. On average, 40 to 60 percent of the region's nitrogen, phosphorus, and sediment pollution comes from agriculture. That's fact. Unfortunately, some distort that fact and say or imply that farmers are our biggest polluters. On an acre-for-acre basis, this is simply not true. The Bay would much rather have an acre of farmland than an acre of parking lot at a suburban strip mall. So CBF is pro-farming. We operate our own working farm in Southern Maryland, and we know better than many of our environmental colleagues just what farmers are up against in order to make a living. We also know that there are cost-effective practices that can be employed to reduce agricultural pollution and often benefit production. So clearly, farmers, just like all of us, should be held accountable to not pollute someone else's water downstream. It's a matter of fairness. Fairness also dictates, though, that farmers, like all the rest of us, have cost share funds and technical assistance made available. To that end, CBF is doing its part. For decades, we've lobbied successfully for state and federal assistance, and we have staff and volunteers throughout the region working shoulder to shoulder with farmers to help them target and implement proven conservation practices. These include fencing cattle out of streams, planting trees and bushes along stream banks to reduce erosion, and plowing cropland in ways that minimize soil disturbance and improve soil quality. The good news is that a 2013 USDA report indicates that a vast majority, some 90% of farms in the region, have at least one of those practices in place. The same report, though, says that one conservation practice is rarely enough. Much more needs to be done to meet the overall targeted reductions set by the states. And these reductions are absolutely central 
to the Regional Clean Water Blueprint, a bay restoration plan with deadlines of 2017 and 2025. Because agriculture is such a dominant land use, states have targeted some 75% of the total remaining pollution reduction to come from agriculture. This follows past advances, which came primarily from sewage treatment plant upgrades. Fortunately, these practices are by far the least expensive way to stop a pound of nitrogen, phosphorus, or sediment from getting into the bay or any of its rivers and streams. And there's more good news. Millions of federal and state cost share dollars are currently available to help farmers get the job done. Thanks to CBF, farm organizations, and other conservation partners who have all worked together to make the case. So what's the hang-up? The largest source of pollution, the cheapest to clean up, and lots of help available. Well, here's the hang-up. Whereas most other pollution sectors, including sewage, urban, airborne, are federally regulated under the Clean Water Act, most of agriculture is exempt. It's up to the states to establish and enforce restoration requirements. They've set targets supported by the best science, but they've not done enough yet to ensure compliance. So what happens if nothing changes? Well, you and I and other taxpayers will have to pay far more for expensive treatment methods like ratcheting down even further on sewage treatment. We know the bay can be saved if everyone does their part. If not, we've seen a very different version of the future. It's not pretty. We see it in developed cities in Central Africa, where one of my staff visited just recently. The strict warning she got was this. Do not drink the water. Do not brush your teeth with the water. Use only bottled water. She even told me about running a bath only to find brown water coming out of the tap. And we only need to look as far away as Toledo, Ohio, where just last summer, residents were warned to have no contact, zero contact, with their tap water, much less drink it, all due to a pollution incident caused by polluted agricultural runoff into Lake Erie. This was Toledo, Ohio, an American city in 2014. We can, we must do better. And why not start right here in Chesapeake Bay country, birthplace of our nation? At CBF, we're working to accelerate agricultural pollution reduction. Our strategy is to encourage the states to do more, to partner with farmers, helping them to work smarter and apply cutting-edge technologies to improve water quality. But the states, the states must set firm targets and enforce them. 
Finally, let me remind you that it's not just the environment that is at stake. When fully implemented, the Chesapeake Clean Water Blueprint can be expected to provide an annual increase of more than $22 billion in ecosystem service benefits throughout the region. Now there's a win-win. Thanks for listening. I'll be back in two weeks talking about how a number of powerful interests are suing to stop the Chesapeake Clean Water Blueprint in federal court. It's an unbelievable story, but it's true. Thank you. Will Baker, President of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation.